かしらさあさあさあ、QQQQUUUUUEEEELLLLSQUELCAST Sequelcast. The Sequelcast is a show where we talk about movies in a franchise one movie at a time, and we're currently kicking off a look at the、uh, Bourne trilogy with the first film in the series, The Bourne Identity. We have a website, sequelcast.com, and also have a page on Facebook. I'm your host, Matt. With me is Sabrina. Hello. How are you doing, Sabrina? I'm awesome. How are you? Good. You know, it's been very hot in the last few days in Portland. Uh, you could say that. So I've been dealing with that. It's, and I, I do sort of have one of those cheap. Uh, wall air conditioning units、mm-hmm. that work okay, but they're not great. It's not like real air conditioning. Yeah, it's better than nothing. It is better than nothing. Does your place get really hot? Are you facing west? Are you you know, we're、right、exposed to a lot of sun?、Um, not as much as we were, but it still gets hot. I mean, it's off of Hawthorne, but on one side of the house is like a, a big club, a big building. So、uh-huh. that helps deflect the sun a little bit.、Uh, But I saw a movie in the theater this past weekend. Oh, yeah. And I don't see movies in the theater too much because I, I usually, if I'm going to see something, I'll see something like at the Baghdad, which、right. is like a $3 movie theater. And、uh, I went with my wife. Last time we went to a movie in a theater, we saw、uh, Sucker Punch. Aha.、Uh-huh. And、uh, I didn't like that one very much. And I didn't like what we saw this time around very much either. It was called Crazy Stupid Love. Oh. It has Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling. Julianne Moore is in it. I was told very hard, like very much recommended to go see this movie. Oh, yeah? Well,、yes. I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of, of chick flicks. And this one, I hadn't even seen a trailer for it. And it's what we ended up seeing.、Uh-huh. And I go to it and I think, well, it's going to be a comedy. And a lot of it's more serious and kind of depressing than I was expecting. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, these like wacky comedy scenes come in. And it try to, tries to follow a bunch of storylines that come together. And I like the stuff between, I'll try not to really spoil it, but I like stuff between Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling. He's trying to make Steve Carell a bit more of a ladies' man and giving him lessons in a bar. And I think that stuff's kind of fun.、Mm-hmm. But you have this whole dumb plot in the movie about a,、uh, a teenage boy who has a crush on his babysitter. And he keeps on running to her in school and yelling, I love you, you're my soulmate. <laughs> and those storylines. Meanwhile, a character is going through a divorce and all this stuff, and an affair is happening. So, all these storylines are all happening all at once. And for me, it didn't quite come together. I thought it was well made, I thought it was well acted. Yeah. But it just wasn't, wasn't for me. Okay. I mean, you know, to each their own. That's true. You know, do all, okay, so let me ask you this Did your wife like it? She did. She cried during okay, it. And okay. And she thought it was really, really good. Well, there you go. So, yeah. That's the difference between the chick and the dude. That's true. We just got the dude opinion. Yeah, just the dude opinion. It's very one sided. But I mean, no, I mean, it's, it's a good opinion <laughs> because it's the dude opinion. But it's、right. just the dude went to go see a chick flick and dude doesn't like chick flick and chick like chick flick. So 
I'd take it with a grain of salt. So that on Saturday, and then on Friday night, I wanted to go with friends to see Conan the Barbarian, the new mm. one that came out, but nobody wanted to go and see it. They I don't blame them. I wouldn't yeah. have gone with you either, Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, I stayed at home and watched the first Conan the Barbarian, oh. and I hadn't seen that in a while. And, I don't uh, think I've ever seen that one. It's good. You know, it's kind of slow. The real storyline doesn't start until halfway through it because the beginning is like Conan is a little boy and, oh, he goes and kills a big snake and, oh, he fights people in a gladiator arena. And so it's very episodic, but um, I think it holds up okay. It's it's kind of slow-paced, but it's just funny to see what was considered violent back then for rated R because mm-hmm. now it's just so mild, even though there's blood and people's heads are getting cut off. Nice. It, it's not, you know, as extreme as something like Machete. Yeah, I, I honestly, I really, really, really like that movie. Machete. Oh yeah. Oh, it was fun. Yeah. They're supposed to be doing two more machetes. Do you know that? Sweet. And one of them is going to be set in space. Not sweet. Well, that's the plan. We'll see Damn what they it. actually end up making. Uh huh. So, but we're here to talk about born identity. Uh, but I think before we do, can we look at the Facebook page for a second? Uh, yes, we can. So we have a comment on there from one of the listeners, Luis. Uh, talks about walk, watching RoboCop 3 in a second-run theater with his dad and how him and his dad thought it would be cool if Officer Ann Lewis would have been brought back as a female RoboCop, which is an idea we kind of talked about on the show. And we have a lot of good comments on there from uh, a listener named Susan who is coming up with ideas for sequel cast special episodes like movies that don't really need sequels or yeah. sequels that made you kind of hate the original movie in the franchise. Mm-hmm. I think those are all really good ideas. Yeah, so Luis's comment was, uh, yeah, that that he and his dad uh, had the same idea when you saw the one at the second-run theater about making Ann Lewis, Ann Lewis into a female RoboCop. Uh, that That's kind of cool. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was good at the time. And then um, our friend uh, Eric Anderson, uh, I'm Facebook friends with him as well, um, but the past special episode ideas that you've done, he wanted to know if you've ever done a, an episode or movie that had no sequels but may have needed one. Hmm. Is that a new message? I don't think I've seen. No, it was on you there. responded to it. You oh, okay. To I it. See. You said it's a good idea, but we are we, are, we, we kind of already you know that. we kind of already did that with I think the um, maybe the second sequel cast special episode. Yeah, we sort of did that, but I mean, there's certainly a lot of movies we left out. There's a lot of things that end like they're going to have a sequel and then they don't. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you had put like a like Willow, Super Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. right? Stuff of. like that. But even you know, like something like the, this first Born Identity that we're going to talk about. The way it ends, I don't think you need a sequel necessarily. It kind of leaves some things open, but it's not a huge. You know, it's not one of those movies where it ends with a big to be continued thing. Yeah. So exactly. Uh, with that, why don't we go into talking about the Born Identity? Alrighty. So, um, I've never seen this movie before watching it for the sequel. I cast. know, it's so bizarre. I've, I've, I didn't know that. I was kind of shocked, actually. Do you want to know why? Go for it. Okay, so when this movie came out, I saw the trailers in the theater, and I just thought Matt Damon in an action movie was ridiculous. Because <laughs> at the time, he hadn't really done that many action movies, and it was, uh, I think it works in the movie, and we'll get into that later. But because of that, the first uh, Born movie I ever saw was the second one, Born Supremacy. I was working at a computer camp uh, around Boston, Massachusetts for a summer. And uh, whenever Born Supremacy came out, I think it was like 2004. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was like middle school and high school kids, and some of them spent the night. And for a field trip, we decided we'll go to the movie theater. But the head of the camp says, well, let's take a bunch of little kids to see Born Supremacy. It has met Damon. It'll be fine. And that it is a PG-13 movie, but I think it's fairly violent. There's yeah. A guy shoots himself, like, if people get shot in the head, even though it's no blood. 
And I was kind of appalled that was the movie that was picked. Mm-hmm. But, um, and all the camera movement in that one made me nauseous in the theater. So I was just really confused walking into part two without watching part one. Yeah. And uh, I, I just haven't seen them since, but I've heard they're pretty good. Okay. Did you see the first Born Identity in the theater? Or uh, I did, it? actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because um, it was, uh, you said it was like 2002 mm-hmm. or, no. Yeah. 2002 is when 2002, it came out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did see it in the theater and I, I remember sitting there watching it with my jaw just dropped going, wow. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um, because it was the first movie that I, I, I guess I remember being completely wowed by the fight scenes, number one, because uh-huh. they were like fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, that, and, and that not a lot... I don't want to say like not a lot transpired during the movie, but especially with the fight scenes, because those were the ones and the car chase scenes. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that blew me away the most and um, really kind of started getting me to look at other like classic movies that a lot of car chases were based off of and things like that um, afterwards. But I was so blown away by the fact that this is all this is. It doesn't need special effects. It doesn't need a lot right. of blood. It, it, there wasn't a lot of background noise or music. There was a little bit of music within the first fight um, within uh, the you apartment. You some techno music in the car chase, I in think. The, yeah, I mean, with that, too. But, I mean, it needs something. But it just, uh, to me, it just felt a lot more raw uh-huh, than anything right. I've ever seen. And I appreciated the shit out of that. And I just, I, that's what left me going, Wow. So what were some older movies you checked out to see kind of like old car chases? Um, Did you ever see Ronin? That was uh, yeah, one that so yeah, it was uh, Ronin. I had I had watched that one. Uh, like Bullet is one with Steve. Never McLean saw Bullet, which I know Francisco. that that's like hey, like the ultimate it's one. It's a big car chase uh, one. The Italian Job. Oh, uh, okay. The original and the remake because I heard. I mean, because it's I saw the Italian Job. Actually, I'm not even sure when that came out i know the original one something i know the original one was like an old old Uh uh-huh i only saw the new one and that was in theaters i'm guessing 2005 or something 2004 huh yeah it was something like that but i I just i remember kind of being fascinated by um how that car chase was and the person that i was with saying you've got to watch these films if you really like this then you've got to try to watch some of these so i tried to you know a little bit yeah i mean bullet i i'm sorry i'm I'm a hypocrite, I guess, or whatever. I just, I've never seen it, and I know people are like, oh my god, I can't believe you haven't seen it. Well, you I mean, there's so many movies out there, it's easy not to see stuff. I, I haven't know. seen Born Identity, for Christ's sake, before yeah. watching it for this. Yeah. This was a big movie. So, uh, this came out in 2002, directed by Doug Lyman, who directed movies such as Go and mm. uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I don't remember the movie Go. It was an obscure indie movie that, it's kind of like pulp fiction where it has multiple storylines going on at once. Uh Uh-huh. I can't think of anyone that was in it, but I remember liking it at the time. Mr. and Mrs. Smith was was with uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one, yeah. Actually, I like the movie, actually. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah. It's a little bit different. Uh, So, Born Identity is based on the book by Robert Ludlum, Mm -hmm. I can't speak, who's a, he is dead now, but, you know, he wrote three Bourne books and then after he died other authors wrote Jason Bourne books mm-hmm. where it says like Robert Ludlum's Jason Bourne in whatever I, I don't know the Bourne crapshoot uh, that's <laughs> awful uh, this was previously done as a miniseries in 1988 for TV starring Richard Chamberlain mm-hmm. who as you can see from the picture is, looks a lot older than Matt Damon oh yeah and, well uh, it's I do believe that this uh, series I do believe it's on Netflix. Oh, um, you, yeah. I don't know if it's on Watch Instantly, but you can certainly rent the disc. 
Well, that's because that's what I was trying to find. Is like, okay, well, are any uh-huh. of the Bourne movies that we're reviewing, are any of them uh, watched instantly? And no. Like, no, they're all DVD only. Um, but I did see this one, and I'm going to just double check because okay. I remember getting like a tiny bit excited when I saw the name. Yeah, no, um, it's not the right one. And it's not the right one. So. I seem to think it's a three-hour miniseries. Richard Chamberlain is an older actor who's, um, you know, he, he did a TV miniseries called Shogun in like 1980. That was like a 16-hour uh, historical epic set in Japan that I thought was pretty interesting, and, and that book's too, uh, pretty good too. But um, and oh yeah, you're, you're correct. It's 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 DVD only. DVD only. Yeah, That's too bad for the series. Damn, um, I thought it was instant. Okay. And you know, I I really liked watching the Born Identity, and I thought, well, maybe I can try reading some of the book before the show comes out. I just got a, a Kindle, and uh, they don't even offer that for sale as an ebook. Oh really? They all the other new ones they do, but none of the Born Identity stuff based off the movie is on the Kindle. They, it is as an audiobook, but not as a ebook. So mm. that's kind of weird. But that's mm-hmm. part of a new format. It's not going to have everything. Yeah. On it, uh, Born Identity budget sixty million in the U.S. It made one hundred twenty-one million worldwide. Made two fourteen million. So that's pretty awesome. They yeah, did certainly good. profitable. And uh, the opening weekend, it came out in the U.S. It was not the number one movie. The number one movie was Scooby Doo. This kills me that you have to say this. Yeah, Scooby Doo with uh, Matthew Lillard and uh, Ugh, that fucking guy, name? the Freddie, Freddie Prince, Prince Jr. Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Ugh, let me gag. Yeah, that has a sequel. Um, we are not. Okay. Um, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> number two that weekend was Born Identity, and number three was Wind Talkers, which was a World War II movie with Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, about Native American uh, as a code. This, it just thing. kills me that Scooby Doo is like over yeah, isn't Born that crazy? Identity. Yeah, it just that completely. Weekend. But in 2002, uh, that whole year, Born Identity was the. Oh, there, I'm sorry, no, Matt. There's no excuse. There's no excuse for you to for anybody to ever say Scooby Doo trumps Born Identity. Nobody trumps Jason Bourne. Scooby Doo, Shaggy. I'm sorry. I love well, you guys, I, but you don't. <laughs> How dare you trump Jason Bourne? I think it's a thing where at the time nobody really knew what the hell Born Identity was. It wasn't established as a franchise. It yet. was already a book. It was already a book. It had been a book for a number of years. I, I think. And um, but it opened number two. I know. I guess I can't complain so, with some of the ones that we have reviewed. It's like number seventy six or whatever. So right. I'm not complaining. But in two thousand two, it was the uh, number twenty one grossing film of the year. The number twenty grossing film of the year was Mr. Deeds, an Adam this Sandler. Kills me. That's an Adam <laughs> Sandler movie that I haven't I haven't seen a lot of his actually. But I remember the I poster is he's pissing on a wall, isn't he? No, no, that's Billy Madison. Who who even oh. remembers Mr. Deeds? It's something he has I, a butler or something. No, I, I that's, that's I understand. I know which one it is. It's some stupid guy, but I mm. Okay. Okay, I'm getting And it. and Below Born Identity was a, a Ben Affleck movie of all things, number 22 for that year, Some of All Fears, which was based off a Tom Clancy book. See, I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm good with that. Um but in, in 2002, the number one grossing film of that year was Spider-Man 1. And uh, ten years later, in 2012, they're coming out with a reboot of the whole Spider-Man series. You already know how I feel about this. Yeah, you did I'm about not, this on the RoboCop 3. You went on a bit of a rant. I'm going to calm myself down right now. I'm so, not going to um, go there. So, Born Identity, you know, let's move on to the characters. Could be a good idea. Shall we? Of course, you got Matt Damon as Jason Bourne. But, mm-hmm. uh, other actors were considered for the role, such as, according to Wikipedia, uh, Sylvester Stallone was considered... Russell Crowe was considered. Seriously. Do you think Ben Affleck would have made a good Jason Bourne? No. 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 What do you think is it about Matt Damon that makes him work he's, as he's Jason very, Bourne? He's very stoic. Uh-huh. He is. 
Um, I, we all know that he has the, uh, I, well, I guess more so than any other actor, he has the ability to not play emotion great. Mm. You know what I mean? But it's not make like, it boring either. But not make it boring. It's like, uh-huh. I honestly, I can't really see Matt Damon in a romantic movie or a comedy or <laughs> anything. I mean, this is, I mean, yeah. it's an action drama. I mean, there's right. not, there's very, very few funny parts in this whole movie at all. And I, I sure. honestly don't even know if I could think of one. Some of the fighting I think might be a little funny, but um, I have like little comedic moments. But uh-huh. I think because he is the, he's the best choice for somebody that's just going to be fairly stone-faced, but yet act and still do a good job. And you feel for this guy when you're, when you're going along with him in his quest to find out who he is. You feel sorry for him. You feel frustrated along with him. You feel all of these things. And I don't think that there's I, I think he just he pulled it off really well. Right. I, one thing that I think works so well with Matt Damon as Jason Bourne is his physique. Mm-hmm. Not that he's not in shape, but he looks more like a normal person. Yeah. If Sylvester Stallone would have been Jason Bourne, oh this hulked out guy who, you know, it's not a surprise that he's good at fighting or knows all these languages or, yeah. you know, so it's something that it's against type and that's what makes it work. Well, and the other thing, too, is that um, you said Russell Crowe. Yeah. No. 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 Um, you need somebody number one. You need somebody younger. Um, Russell Crowe and mm, Sylvester Stallone. Right. You're talking somebody who now is sixty years old, and Russell Crowe is like in his forties, probably pushing fifties. Well, Stallone is in his mid sixties. Mid sixties now, yeah. So, so and when you've got somebody like um, Matt Damon, who's mm-hmm. probably around like you know late thirties mm-hmm. at this point. Um, so what mid thirties when he did this movie? Sure. I, those are they're too old. And I understand when you've got somebody like um. This other guy, uh, la, 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 Richard Chamberlain, yeah, <laughs> in the movie series, in the miniseries, like okay, he's kind of an old dude. But I get it, um, but he's beside Jacqueline Smith, so that kind of like mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, I, yeah, as far as his physique, he's very, um, he's very uh, game figured. What? Like, what do you mean game figured? He looks like an action hero from a game, from like. A, oh, okay. I'm sorry, like an action hero from a video game. That's uh-huh. what I'm like video yeah. game. Durr, Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he looks very. His physique is very action figurey. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's. I'm not complaining. I think it's nice, but. Yeah. You know, he's and always the, wearing the flesh-colored underwear, just like the action figures. Uh, I guess. No. I, I don't know. I didn't think. I don't think we saw his underwear, did we? No, I, I don't think so. Oh, damn. You have a few scenes with his shirt off, I believe. You always have to have that in these sort of movies. Yeah, because you have to see the bullet holes in the back. Well, oh. not just that, but you want to see. You know, the actors <laughs> spend all the time working out. And yeah, they, they got to have off. something to show for it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, it, I think another thing that helps this movie is a lot of the cast isn't very well-known people. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of it is, but you don't have any real superstars other than Matt Damon. You know, the female lead is played by Franca Potente. I'm sure I mispronounced that. She plays Marie. And uh, she was in an independent movie called Run, Lola, Run. Fantastic movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. It reminds me in some ways of Born Identity, and that the character is always on the run. It's always very exciting. Mm-hmm. has a lot of zip yeah, to I, it. I need to rewatch that one, too, actually. That's probably on Watch Instantly, I bet. Uh, I shall check right now, actually. Okay. When I first saw this movie uh, preparing for the show, I thought it was Claire Danes for a second for some reason, and I don't know if it's the hair or uh, or what it is. Nah, it's available DVD only. Oh, that's too bad. Dang. Oh, for two on the... I know. Checking watch instantly stuff. Um, you think she did a good job? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I, I really I really like her. I think she's um, she's very cute without being cute. She's very, like... Well, she's good at being nervous. She's incredibly good at being nervous. Um it's almost kind of like somebody said, 
here, um, Franca, meet Matt, go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it was kind of like that very nervous vibe almost through the entire movie that you're called for. Mm -hmm. um, so I think she did a good job with that. Um, I think she had a, a, a few moments of really good um, comfortability within her character, of like being comfortable. Uh -huh. like she understood what she was going through until she freaked out when she found out what um, what Jason Bourne is or was. Um, so, I mean, her, her ups and downs are almost just as equivalent to the almost parallel Jason Bournes as well. Even I though he's the main character. Yeah, I mean, even though he's uh -huh. the main character and his highs and lows are like, you know, waving up here, hers are waving, but they're just down on a lower frequency. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the same up and downs that, that, that Bourne has. It's just on a different level. And I like the fact that, hey, they put a woman in here that mm -hmm. wasn't afraid to kind of be able to match those emotions that that Bourne is having. Right, and also unusual for an action movie. They picked a woman who didn't look like a supermodel. Like, this right. isn't Megan Fox from Transformers or anything she's like that. She's gorgeous. She's absolutely right. gorgeous, no, she, but she's in very a very pretty, natural... But she looks more like a regular person. Uh -huh. Kind of like Matt Damon, I don't think, has had plastic surgery or something, yeah. right? You know, he doesn't yeah. look... Yeah, so I find that interesting. Um, mm -hmm. You have some well-known, uh, sort of well-known actors as the, the so-called bad guys, I guess, in this movie. Brian Cox plays Ward Abbott. He has a very small part in this. He does a lot more in uh, Born Supremacy. Mm -hmm. But he's one of the people um, behind the... Oh, what do you call it? Behind the program that created Jason Bourne. Yeah, he's behind uh, Treadstone. That's it, Treadstone. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and he's been in stuff like X-Men 2, and we talked about him a little bit last week because he was in Manhunter playing Dr. Hannibal That's Lecter. That's right. Okay. So That's right. Okay, so um, now see now that I've seen it in the movie again, now mm -hmm. I have a visual on who this guy is. Okay. But he was a lot younger when he did Manhunter. Of course. That was like in 1981 or something. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris Cooper is Alexander Conklin. He's kind of the main guy sort of assigning all these people to chase after Jason Bourne. And um, he was the dad in American Beauty. He usually plays bad guys. He's going to be playing the bad guy in the new Muppet movie that comes out at the end of this oh year. Oh, goodness. So uh, he was in a movie called Adaptation that I thought was pretty good. Mm, I Nicholas really like Cage. Chris Cooper. I don't think that there's uh, too much that he's been, and he's he's just he's one of those character actors where it's like you don't really know exactly what his name is. But uh, Capote was the other one that he was in that he was really good at. Sea Biscuit, uh, The Patriot. Oh, I thought The Patriot American was okay. Beauty. That's what it was. Yeah, that American was, yeah, Beauty. He had a big one in that one. He I was think. the uh, he was abusive the, dad, right? Is that what you just said, or did you... No, I said American Beauty earlier. You oh, yeah, said I'm it sorry. Again. You said American Beauty. I was thinking Virgin Suicides. I don't really know why two totally different movies, oh. but you said that, the dad, and I was like, uh -huh. oh, my mind went somewhere else oh, okay. with that genre. Well, Virgin Suicides was a Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. i never seen that one. Uh, yeah? It, yeah, I mean, it's, okay. it's a little brain-warping, yeah. to say the least. I mean, I liked Lost in Translation by that same director. Sofia Coppola, Sophia yeah, Coppola. she's awesome. Yeah, yeah. but I, I need to see more of her stuff. Back to Born Identity. Uh, Julia Stiles is in this as uh, Nikki. And uh, she's not in this one very much, but I understand she's in the sequel she's more. She's in the sequel a lot more, uh, yeah. I'm about the same age as her. Really? So, um, for what that's worth, that's not really worth anything, is it? Um, uh, well, I mean, what? You're the same age as her? You're that young? I am, um, well... Maybe I'm about to turn... I turned 30 in February. Oh, my gosh. I thought you were older than that. I get that a lot. Wow. How old do you think I was? I thought you were, like, 35, 36. Thanks. But you look it's, great. It's my that. hairline. Thank you. 
My no, because you're so mature. peak. Yeah, no, you're so mature. I just thought that you were like, I mean, not to say that like, hey, I'm just going to stop now. Okay. Uh, so you don't like Julia Stiles so much? Honestly, I could do without her. You could have put any actress in this part. I mean, the thing that's funny in this movie, I think, about Chris Cooper and Brian Cox is the whole movie, they're pissed off yelling into phones or yelling at computer screens. Yeah. They're like, get them. You got to chase them down. What? You lost them? What are you doing? It's a lot of... Yeah, yeah, a lot of slam on the table. Yeah, a lot uh, of fists on the table, and I'm just mad. Right. But, um, you know, it's effective for that kind of stuff. The other actors, eh, I mean, the, the most well-known out of the three assassins that go after him is uh, Clive Owen. Mm-hmm. Plays this guy called The Professor. Mm-hmm. And uh, you like Clive Owen? I right? love Clive Owen. Is he your... Um, Sexiest he's, actor. He is my uh, he is my sexy British uh, oh, sexy British intelligent actor, and then I have like a sexy British not so intelligent actor, which would be somebody else. But um, no, I I I'm in love with Clive Owen. I think he's really awesome. Uh, did you ever see a movie called Shoot 'Em Up that he was in? Mm-hmm. I thought that was a lot of fun. That it, was. It's similar to Machete in that it's just a ridiculous action <laughs> movie. <laughs> I know, uh, but. Uh, yeah, um, uh, Shoot 'Em Up was great. Uh, was the Keen Arthur movie he was in? Was that any good? Uh, I never saw that. That I don't know as if I actually watched because I oh, figured okay. it's like a King Arthur like it like the genre doesn't do anything for yeah. me, so I think I just skipped that one. Right. Like I haven't. I've heard Children of Men was good. I've never oh seen that. Oh my god, Children of Men is an awesome movie. It's. I mean, so it's much. like. It's really, it. really good. You need to make yeah. sure that you've got your heartstrings like not you know, like firmly planted. Okay. But um, and the International was really good too, although a little boring and a little dry. Um, Is that with Julia Roberts? Yes. Okay, that, that's that fairly one. recent. Yeah, that was in uh, 2009. Great. So, yeah, Clive well, Owen, I think, is, is awesome, and I'm really upset that he didn't have a bigger role in this movie. I would have liked to see him kind of... What has he been in lately? I'm trying to think. Um, he's in a lot of things, you know, but he's usually not the star. Yeah, um, Duplicity, which was 09, The Boys Are Back 09, Trust. Uh, so he didn't do much in, in 2010. There was only one movie. Uh-huh. Uh, two in 2011, Killer Elite, which is completed, and Intruders, which is in post-production. Okay. Uh, I've just got a TV movie coming out next year, Shadow Dancer next year, and Cities in pre-production for 2012. Hmm. So he's got a lot of stuff kind of coming up. So he's usually in kind of more serious action Yeah, things, and I think right? that's what I like about him is, is that uh-huh. he doesn't completely play the hokey... Um, he's very consistent with the kind of roles that, he, that he's given. I... I do not, for the life of me, understand why they have not cast him as uh, James Bond. Mm. I really don't. Right. And I think that, you know, hey, Daniel Craig, fine, great, but Clive I'm not Owen, the biggest man. fan of Daniel Craig as James Bond, and part of it, and, and this is shallow, but I cannot get over that James Bond has blonde hair. Yeah, and yeah that's that, just it. It really I mean, bothers me, but like also James Bond is supposed to be kind of attractive. I think uh, Daniel Craig looks really ugly. Yeah. Yeah, he I has mean, a face that's been punched a few times. Clive Owen <laughs> is, yeah. I mean, there's, I know there's been a lot of pressure for him to be playing James Bond, yeah, and okay. he's just that kind of person that uses uh, within his characters a lot more intelligence versus like brutal strength uh-huh. kind of thing. So, I mean, that's where I identify him a lot with Bourne in right. this movie because they're very similar, and it's uh, it's made clear within the movie that you're you're one of us when when it kind of gets down to it that you're one of us. This is this is what we go through. This is who put us here. And, of course, Bourne's trying to figure it all out. Oh, it's a great segue into discussing the plot. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the one thing this movie does well is if you go into it not knowing what's going to happen like I did, you know, the whole time Jason Bourne doesn't know what's really going on. The uh, 
the uh, Treadstone people going after him. Don't really know what's going on. They don't explain a whole lot. No, they the leave movie you in the is dark very, a lot. They leave you in the dark, but the movie is very efficient. It keeps on moving. Things keep on, even though the plot, when you say what happens, is kind of slight. There's still enough happening to keep things interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not like um, a Tom Clancy movie like Patriot Games, where it's a 10-minute scene of them talking about using computers to track down this guy's briefcase. Right. It keeps moving throughout the entire movie. Um, right. Like, there's no big scene of them recruiting the assassins. They just kind of show them all getting text messages on their phone. Right. And, and they then drive towards after. the Paris or whatever city he happens to be in. Right. That's what I liked about this movie. And, I've, and I think this will have marked the seventh, sixth or seventh time I've seen this movie. Yeah. And I still... I still am picking up bits and pieces. I mean, it's cool. a very simple premise, right. I think, but there's still a couple of things where it's like, oh, you know what? I was actually like really paying attention or uh-huh. it's like, oh, I caught that piece of dialogue where I didn't before. Um, and it kind of put a little piece of that puzzle back together for me that I, was, I felt like I was missing. Okay. So plot wise, I think it's a really great, it's a really strong, good movie. And it starts out Jason Bourne is just sort of in the ocean floating around. Mm-hmm. And he gets picked up by a fishing boat, and he has two bullets in his back. He doesn't really remember what's going on. And uh, they discover something on his person. It's in his hip. His hip. Mm-hmm. How do they discover it in his hip? Well, because when they when they find him in the ocean, he's got a little blinky thing on, so it's like a little transmitter. And right. the uh, the the guy that's playing the, the doctor or whatever, the ship, uh, ship doc, gets him on the table, finds, you know, cuts open his... Um, his bodysuit or whatever it is that he's wearing right, okay. and finds, you know, the two bullet holes. And then he had something on his hip because it was like translate or it was like transmitting something or it was like a fresh scar. I think it was, that's the one where it was a fresh scar. So he decided mm-hmm. to see what was under that. Right. And that's right. where he found it's a, you know, like a transmitter implanted in his hip. Yep. And so um, from there, you're not giving a lot of explanation what happens next, but he ends up in uh so they're able to figure out it's, it's an account number to a safe deposit box in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And that's the next destination. Uh, all the different destinations in uh, the Bourne movies, you see people comparing them to James Bond, but I don't think that comparison makes a lot of sense. Mm. Because it's more of like a man on the run kind of thing. It does happen to be in a lot of different countries most of the time. But it's not like he's using special gadgets. No, not to at get all. get past things. It's, you know, more... The fights all occur in realistic environments, whether it's a hotel room or they're driving through the street. It's not like they're fighting in a rocket ship. Right. Well, I think that transmitter that they pull out of his hip, I mean, that's a very significant piece of, um, well, it's a very significant prop because it's the only thing that Bourne has to go off of. I mean, this, yeah. this is the only thing that will hopefully tell him who he is because when he's pulled out of sea um, and he's got the bullet re- bullets removed, he freaks out and the doc's like, you know, who are you? Who are you? And that's when he realizes, I don't know who I am. He basically has amnesia. Yep. But after spinning, you know, and then we see the little transmitter thing and that's the only thing he has to go on is his bank account in Zurich. I think is Zurich. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so once he gets into port, he's kind of taken the, the, the two weeks to f- try to figure out who he is. And like none of the maps, like nothing is making sense to him. He still doesn't know his name. So this, this, this prop, this transmitter, once he actually gets there and he writes down his bank account number, that is when he finds his identity. It's the rest of the movie that it takes for him to try to grasp his identity. And it's nice in the whole movie that it's not like the movie is peppered with cheesy flashbacks Mm -mm. that he remembers in bits and pieces. They kind of do that in the second one. 
They do it at the very kind of very like end at the, of the end first of this one. one. But that they save it to the end, I think, makes it more effective. Oh yeah. And if you get all these like flashbacks of him as a kid or whatever, it wouldn't have worked very well. But he goes with the into the safety deposit box, and in it is a lot of money and a lot of different currencies, a lot of passports for a lot of different identities. And is there weapons in there as well? There was I a gun. I think there was yeah, a gun. Got an okay. extra clip. Yep. Got in a clip of ammo. So, um, with that, he's in the bank trying not to look nervous walking around with uh, the briefcase full of crap. Yeah, he steals the, the trash liner, which is basically a big deposit bag yep. out of there, and uh, somebody sees him. He gets noticed, mm-hmm. and the uh, cops start chasing him, and he magically knows how to fight cops. Yeah. And something's in- instinctual. Mm hmm. Yeah, and he realized a little bit of that kind of stuff when he was on the boat. It's like, how am I able to, you know, I can still get up and I can eat breakfast and I can do all these things and I can tie this stuff in a knot, mm-hmm. um, but I have no idea how I know this. And so once he uh, once he leaves the currency place, he fights off two park cops yeah, and disables their gun, completely like pulls it apart, and you start realizing, just as he's realizing, this guy knows a lot of shit. Yep. He knows his stuff. And so as he goes through these documents with different identities, he makes his way towards the embassy. And you have a really cool scene that happens there where he's kind of waiting in line and the security guys go for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though in this movie the camera shakes, it's not as much as in the other ones. But all the stuff of him like running on top of buildings and, like you said, it's very raw. It really draws you into the action. Mm-hmm. And even though this is PG-13, not rated R, it's still pretty intense. It's intense, but I don't think it's... it's lacking, you know, is a lot of blood. Mm-mm. And I was talking to uh, Robert Wagner on Twitter, mm-hmm. and he was saying that... Because I, I said, I haven't been in a fight, so I don't know if real fights have blood or not. And he says, no, no. if you get into a fight, it's usually not going to be blood unless you uh, break a tooth, lose a tooth, or... Yeah, or unless you, like, lip. significantly break a nose... Well, yeah. But, I mean, nine times out of ten, it's, you know, it's jaw hitting, which you're not going to see anything. You're going to see, you're going to hear some bones crunch. It's going to be right. dislocated. Um, but I like the way that Bourne fights because he he does it first not to kill. Even though he's trained to True. kill, he's, an, he's basically an assassin. We'll learn yeah. that later. Yep. Um, but he will, you know, cold cock somebody and, like, shove him down the stairs. So he's not completely, like killing them he's just right. getting them out of his way sort of disabling them yeah and uh he's just so efficient at it it's fun to watch mm-hmm. did it when you first watched this did it weird you out that oh this is matt damon doing these fight no. scenes no, no i thought it was jason totally i mean just just it. like that okay. yeah and just yeah. like that because i didn't um i mean honestly my exposure to matt damon prior to this was uh-huh. you know a couple of things i mean honestly it was like two of the two or three things that he did before this it wasn't like Okay. I I don't even I have to look at uh, exactly. Well, like Goodwill Hunting was the big sure, one. Sure, that that's those the guys big one. Were in. Yeah, and I didn't I, honestly. I don't even think of that movie. Right. Um, was Ocean's I, Eleven before this? I think it was. Um. Let's see here. We've got um. The Born Identity was two thousand two, and then we've got Ocean's Twelve, which was two thousand four. Okay. Oh, so Ocean's Eleven was two thousand one. So okay, I guess yeah, I've seen him on a few things prior to that um finding forrester uh didn't uh, legend of bagger vance didn't watch it the talented mr ripley dogma i mean he was in a saving prior of ryan goodwill hunting the right. remaker chasing amy he was in a lot of stuff prior to this i just didn't really i didn't really pay a lot of attention to him yeah you know it's like i knew who he was and that's why i was like kind of excited to see this because it's like hey this is a different 
type of movie that we haven't seen him in before. I Everything else really is like a touchy feel right. shit. And it's interesting with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, you know, they both were kind of, after Goodwill Hunting, kind of got the Hollywood star treatment pretty quickly. And Ben Affleck was the one who was really in The Rise and in Pearl Harbor and all these expensive movies. Mm-hmm. But his acting career sort of transitioned to more of a directing career. And I think overall, Matt Damon's made a lot stronger choices Yeah, in his career. Uh, you know, I, I mean, would he, agree. He does tend to do more serious stuff. Yeah. But, um... Um, sort of yeah, I'm kind of looking at some of this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, it I mean, Ben Affleck did, like, Daredevil and uh, some stuff like that. Yeah, I saw him recently in Green Zone, which was really good. Matt Damon? Yep. Yep. Um, uh, and True Grit, he was really good in. Oh, that was fun, right. Yeah, and the it mustache. looks like he's got... One, two, two that are completed, uh, one, two that are in post-production. He's filming a film now that won't come out until 2013, and then Liberace, which is in pre-production for 2013. So as it sits on the docket right now, when we look at Matt Damon, he doesn't have anything for 2012. When the Liberace movie, the actor that's playing Liberace is Michael Douglas. <sighs> and it's a part he's wanted to play for a long time, I guess apparently. I, could, I guess I could see that. It's going to be a lot of makeup. He's going to have to... I, you know what? I love Michael Douglas, but he's <laughs> he's gonna have to gain a little bit more weight for this role. I think so. I don't know. Like I saw Wall Street Two recently. Not yeah. to get too off track. He looks so. I, I know he's getting old. But he looked really old in that. Well, and I even mean, when they get to the point where he has his hair slicked back and he's trying to look like he did in the first movie, yeah. it doesn't quite work. Uh, I never saw the first movie. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it enough yeah. to know what it's about, but. Um, I just haven't been in the movie to see something kind of boring because that's what I've heard that it is. It's just like it's, it's an economic a dry. drama. Yeah. yeah. So back to Born Identity. So around this point, he meets up with Marie and offers her $20,000 cash to drive him to, uh, to Paris mm-hmm. because on one of his uh, passports, it has a different identity for him that's not Jason Bourne, but it lists a hotel in Paris as his address. So he wants to check that out. And um, she takes a little bit of convincing to go with him, but it's sort of... I don't know if I totally bought that she would agree to do it, but it's so much money, too. Yeah, I mean, you can right? see... I I agree with it because you could see her struggle with it. Like, mm-hmm. And he even said he like just basically threw 10 grand at her, and then he said, you'll get another 10 grand when you take me to when Paris. You get there, right? And that's just kind of like, okay, bribe accepted, let's go. you know. Yeah. And I understand her hesitation, and I think she did a good job. They probably could have milked it a little bit more, but... Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the movie's not that long, so... <laughs> well, no, and that's, I think it's good the movie's kind of short. They can yeah. keep things going, keep it moving. And so you go to Treadstone, you have um, Alexander Conklin sort of talks about that um, he hires assassins to go after, or hitmen, to go after Jason Bourne. And you've got three of them, Castell, the Professor, and Mannheim. The professor is the one played by Clive Owen. Mm-hmm. And as we said earlier, it's a very brief scene. There's not... You don't really get to know who these guys are. No, they're... Until they fight Jason Bourne. Yeah, and even at that, they're they're assassins, you know. Right, they're assassins. They, it's very efficient and to the point. I've said that mm-hmm. phrase several, several times. I'll try not to say it again. <laughs> um, so they go to Paris, and what happens there? Um, when they go to Paris, um, the castle guy basically attacks Bourne in his hotel room or in his room or in his, right. his apartment. It's his apartment. Um, I'm on the same page as you, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's where like, Hey, this is like the actual first 
fight scene comes into play. I mean, sure, you've got the bank in Switzerland that kind of sets things up a little bit, but this is the true like it's a real one-on-one fight scene combat. Yeah, he says the pen and the pen is in there. Yeah, he uses a pen as a right. weapon. You know, trying to get the knife away from Castle. Um, and it's weird because really when we when we watch the movie, these assassins to, to me anyway, they don't have names. It's like I didn't right. know this guy was Castle. The professor, I guess I knew, and I don't really know why. They might um, say their names once or twice, but their name isn't really important. Yeah, it's not. But I mean, in order to identify who they are. Um, but the Castle guy, he kind of had blonde I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fight, it, it's in close quarters, so they're smashing each other into a lot of... Yeah, and like pots and pans and, right. you know, furniture and stuff like that. And it's kind of a struggle on each side. It's not like Bourne is Superman or something. Yeah, Bourne. no, I mean, it's very, it's a very well-rounded, so. very even, very um, full-bodied. It's not just, hey, we're using our hands to hit. We're using our feet and we're sweeping. And we're, I mean, that's right. what I loved about this is that I, I would love to be able to break down the choreography, the fight choreography mm. for this and just... It must have taken them forever. I see these kind of things. It's like the costume thing for me is Uh almost just, I mean, I'm almost just as passionate about fight stuff as I am about costume stuff. Um, I I don't know why. I took a combat class once and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But... uh, for me, it's hey, this is obviously the physical aspect of what people are doing, and it's it's rehearsed, you know, it's mm-hmm. and it's very calculating. And how are you doing this so that you're not hurting other people or just safety issue? There's like all of these different things that go into it, which really fascinate me. As as to this is what we see, and especially if we're seeing it on a big screen, and it goes by so quick, and you get dizzy, and you get nauseous, and you or yeah. just like, you know, and you hear the boom boom, you know, like all you, you can hear the sound effects, which are gr- beautifully done, right? Um. And it kind of like hits your heart. It like hits your soul when it ha- when those kind of things happen. It's like I want to know how you did that. Forget the special effects. I want to know how you fought. Well, I think also with the f- not only is it shot in a way that makes it immersive, but you can actually tell what's going on with the fight choreography. Yeah, it's not so jumbled and muddled. All right, and some and like you said, some movies just a bunch of like random close ups, and you can't tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's nice just to admire what goes on in a fight scene. Oh yeah, totally. Because yeah. I've read interviews with fight choreographers, and they say they consider every fight is like a little story with a beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah. And with good fights, I think they're like that. Yeah. Well, and this definitely has one. There's a beginning, mm-hmm. there's a middle, and then the end. Oh, gosh, the guy jumps out the window. We have no idea, the castle guy, we have no idea why he does that. We just assume that, hey, it's like the code of the assassins or something like that. That's just what you're supposed to I do. I think he does it because he wants to cause a scene. He knows he's kind of losing uh-huh. against Jason Bourne. Right. And so he intention. I think he intentionally kills himself because he's like, well, if I do this, there's going to be a lot of cops coming to the Drawing scene. Drawing attention to the scene. Got it. So, because if, if I d- he kills me, if Jason Bourne kills Castle in a hotel room, you know, he can get away without much of a problem. It'll take a few hours for them to find a corpse in a hotel room or whatever. In his apartment, yeah. Yeah, in the apartment, right, right. So. Yeah, so after that, then they basically... You get a really cool car chase. Yeah, then they are careful about how they leave, and then they get into Marie's car, which is this tiny little red... I would guess it's probably almost like a Mini Cooper. I mean, like, size-wise. Yeah, about that size. Mm Mm-hmm. And the cars in Europe, I think, are smaller in general. Yeah. But it's a it's a small car, and it's an exciting scene, and they even do some stuff in a parking garage, which is pretty fun. And you have sort of this techno music in the background, mm-hmm. which uh, is one of the few uses of music in the movie. And it's an awesome, out. yeah, it's an awesome car chase. 
It really is. It's like the the very first, you know, thing that happens is going down a set of stairs. Yeah. You know, and it's <laughs> kind of like, wow, I hope you have shocks, like, you know, or something. You can tell, oh, that's a car really going down the stairs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like, you know, like some of the Fast and the Furious movies, while those are fun, at a certain point, it's so computer generated. You have, like, cars driving in tunnels being chased by helicopters. Exactly. It doesn't look real, and you're not, you don't believe what's happening as much. Right. So you're not as invested. Right. And in the meantime, while all of, while the, he's trying to get away, Conklin has Nikki, um, the chick that's in Paris. Yeah. She's in the safe house, basically, in Paris. Mm-hmm. And uh, he helps track, well, he she's helping him to track Bourne, basically. Um, she doesn't, like you said earlier, she doesn't do much in this movie. That's basically her job is to kind of track this guy. She's she like a one-person stand, operation. She stands there. She's like a little, it's like another pretty face, I guess. She's the only other female. Right, and that's probably why they made that part a female. Yeah, I mean, they could have had, you know, some intern, you know, mm-hmm. some guy intern do this this role as well. But just kind of in the meantime, there's like this background of, you know, they're trying to find, they're trying to find Bourne, they're trying to find this girl. Um, they eventually, uh, they eventually do. Yeah. And they put out, a B, you know, an e, what is it? A P, an EP, what? They put out a public broadcast announcement or something like that. Because one of the security cameras has a photo of Bourne and Marie. Mm-hmm. Within the embassy, which happened at the beginning of the movie. Uh-huh. So um, that's kind of where we start getting into. That's why all of this chasing stuff is going on. So the cops are actually chasing the you know the car with the two of them in it. Um, and they're trying to close in on Bourne. And after this car chase is over, they basically wipe down the car clean. You know, They remove everything from it. And then they hightail it to... Uh, I think it's to her brother's It's It's kind of unknown who this person is. It was just somebody that she used to live with for like six weeks. We don't really know who, what the relationship was. But it's like a farm out in the country. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, one problem I had with this movie is whenever the movie wasn't around Jason Bourne, I didn't find it as interesting. Right. Even though it gave you backstory? It gives you a little bit of backstory. I mean, it, it does try to keep those things brief, but... The rest of it was so exciting, just these scenes of uh, Chris Cooper yelling into a phone or screaming at the screen, hitting things, going, damn it, he got away. Where is he going? Oh, we got this security yeah, camera. But Zoom I think in. It, like, I think it enhances the fact that it, it enhances the fact that he is being chased, that, it, uh-huh. that he is, in fact, being pursued. And it's like we can get that enough from his actions and from him yeah. running. But now we have this over here, like kind of confirming, like solidifying that, yes, we are chasing you, Bourne. We're trying to figure out, you know trying to bring you back to base and all the while he's freaking out because he doesn't know who the hell he is and i'm sure those are scenes that if i saw the movie more than once i might understand more what they're yeah, talking this about this is definitely a movie where if you saw it the first time honestly what i'd recommend uh-huh. is watch this movie watch watch the series first yeah wait a little bit go back and watch the first one and just kind of start over and you know maybe make it like a yearly thing like hmm. i personally i will watch all of the well at least the first die hard it's like hey it's a yearly movie for me yeah you know make this a yearly movie for yourself hmm. i mean honestly i think it's it's one of the a really really good one that you can definitely keep getting more out of the more you watch it you know one movie i watch a lot like that is requiem for a dream mm. which i think gets more and more funny every time i see it even though it's really serious okay did you ever see that one? I. It sounds very familiar. It has. Um, it's, it's like a. It's by the same director that did the Black Swan, but it has Jake Gyllenhaal and Marlon Wayans, no, and it's what? kind of like a drug. It's a serious like drug drama. Uh uh-uh, uh, Darren Aronofsky. Uh, yeah, Aronofsky yeah. directed it, 
It has the... I've heard about it. I just haven't seen it. Okay. Well, I'd recommend that movie. Okay. It's kind of weird. Okay. About different people addicted to different drugs. Huh. So, including one who's addicted to painkillers and thinks her uh, refrigerator is going to eat her. She has nightmares. Oh, yeah. That seems like something I'd watch. No, I don't think it is. No. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Back to the born identity. So, there is a thing where... Born finds out there's like an assassin that Born was supposed to kill, yeah, or something. But he doesn't. He doesn't remember. Basically, do you understand like how? He, not really. I mean, he tries. They explain that later in the movie. But why does he try to meet up with this African? Because that's all he knows. Okay, place. so basically, okay. what happens is he tries to meet up with Wambosi, uh-huh. who is I think like the South South African like leader guy that's kind of in power, but he's not supposed to be. And so this company, aka Treadstone, has um, formed this elite force, aka you know with Jason Bourne yeah, to get rid of yeah with Treadstone uh-huh. to to get rid of Wambosi because he's causing too many problems. The higher up executive guys don't agree with the fact that this Wambosi guy is basically running this country. Into the ground. I mean, they just, they have well, how does Bourne connect the dots where he tries to see Mumbo? Okay, what happens is, is that he, when he's looking through the passports and he sees the John Michael Kane, he uh-huh. follows John Michael Kane's identity from that phone in his apartment to another hotel in Paris. From that hotel in Paris, right. they say, "No, your brother came and picked you up because you're dead." Basically, so he knows, "Hey, I'm John Michael Kane." Um, and everybody know, else knows that, but I'm supposedly dead, so let's go to the morgue and see who this is. So he goes to the morgue and says, okay, well, I guess this That's is right. me. I have no idea who this guy is, but then looked at the logs for the morgue because Wambosi went to go and identify it, and he said, no, I'm sorry, this is not the right guy. And he because, rips the page out of the And he rips ledger. the page out of the ledger, and okay. that's how that's right. the connection between gotcha. Bourne and Wambosi. I cannot believe I just put all that together. That's great. I've watched this movie too much. Um, <laughs> apparently, I'm actually kind of impressed with myself. Um, so that's kind of how he how he did that. But what Bourne doesn't realize is that he was a hired assassin to kill Wambosi. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand that that's why this whole thing is happening. So what they do, so Treadstone actually gets the professor to assassinate Wambosi so that hopefully, hey, their problems are taken care of. It's clean. It's neat. It's gone. It's done. Now the only problem that they have is to find Jason Bourne. That's like their mission at this point. Wambosi's done and out of the picture. Right, and when Bourne and Marie are at the uh, the farmhouse, they kind of pull up and they expect the house is going to be empty. But around the same time, you know, uh, Marie's brother or whoever the hell it is, I'm not quite sure, mm-hmm. pulls up with his family and he has kids. Right. And uh, but he, he still lets him stay. He's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he's he's pretty nice about the whole thing, and they. Uh, you know, his little spidey sense, and he's like, nope, you know what, there's somebody else yeah. out here, and uh, it ends up being the professor. You know, we talked about the plot in this so much. There's still so much to go. Uh, you get a really cool fight scene between Bourne and the professor in the field, so kind of sniping at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a nice confrontation at the end between Bourne and um, Conklin. Uh-huh. And... Um, yeah, I mean, it's best, I guess, not to spoil the ending. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe we but can save like this part of the ending for the beginning of the next episode. That kind of because it kind of connects. Kind of connects it, yeah. With and each other. That way, we'll get a little bit of a better sense. We can kind of roll into uh, how Bourne starts figuring out a little bit more about who he is. I mean, I kind of yeah. gave that in a nutshell with you know the Wambosi thing, um, but it, that that little bit of it continues. He starts to realize just as a quick wrap up. He starts to realize and has a flashback of. Oh, after he you know meets face to face with Conklin in the safe house, um, he starts to realize, hey, I kind of remember some things. I'm having some flashbacks here, and that's kind of where uh, one thing kind of le- leaves off. 
mm-hmm. uh, and rolls into something, you know, something else. But at the very end, uh, at that point where they're at the farmhouse, he gives Marie money and says, go with this guy and just get out of here. It's not yep. that you're dragging me down. It's just that you're not safe. And so he basically leaves Marie. And then the like last 20 minutes of the movie, Marie's not in. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the very end of the movie, after he has this confrontation with uh, Conklin and with uh, uh, Nikki, who he, uh, he doesn't harm her. No. He just basically lets her go. Uh, and I believe Conklin, he lets go too. He does. Yeah. Um, I kind of, honestly, I dozed off in the last 20 minutes. He basically, uh, it, so. <laughs> well, we're running low in time, so yeah. we'll pick this up at the start of next week when we talk about boring supremacy. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, anyway, I'd say this is a pretty good movie. Oh, yeah. Watch it. It certainly benefits from repeated viewings. That's why I think I was a little bit confused watching it only once. It, it can be. It can be confusing. And I saw Born Identity and Supremacy in the same week, so I'm a little bit confused uh, with that, too. Yeah. It can get a little confusing. Uh, when you got things kind of running into each other mm-hmm. like that. So, yep. um, yeah, basically the ending of this, uh, he finds Marie. Uh, he finds Marie in a Greek bike shop or something like that. She's, like, yeah. selling something. And it's a nice ending. It's like for once yeah. these characters are at peace, they're not... They're not looking over their shoulders, you know, exactly. at this point. They're not running. Um, so that's kind of how that one ends. And then we'll pick up uh, the Born Supremacy uh, next week. Yep. So check out website sequelcast.com. Look us up on iTunes. Listen to us live on Cascadia.fm Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific. So for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And I'm Sabrina. Saying tune in next week for Born Supremacy. 